2020, my goodness, that just doesn't sound right, eh? And, uh, you know, be, uh, you're probably expecting a New Year's preach, so hopefully I won't disappoint whether it's a New Year's preach or not. Uh, hopefully I won't disappoint. But the beginning of the year is always a good time to reassess, isn't it? It's a kind of a calendar shift. We've hopefully had a bit of a break or, or the pace has changed. I keep said to Jamie this morning, uh, I keep thinking, man, my suburb is quiet. The roads are empty. What's going on is even the shops, uh, Colette was saying she went out somewhere, load shedding, a couple of shops that she saw closed down for three days from last week to, to Monday. So it feels like we're still getting going. And um, it's a good time to reassess, to maybe try some new things, uh, to actually Get your car in that very full gym car park to try overcome or undo some things that we weren't happy with last year. Maybe you found yourself saying, I don't want to live like this anymore. It's a very drastic statement to say from the pulpit, but maybe you've been, I just can't do this like this anymore. I cannot look for my socks anymore. The washing has to get done on time. Yes? Have you had those wardrobe malfunctions? Yeah, it's amazing how some, something as benign as a pair of socks can change your whole day. Anyway, let me move on. Maybe you're saying this has to change. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to get it right. This is the year. This is the year I'm going to run comrades. This is the year I'm going to get out of debt. This is the year I'm going to count for God. This is the year I'm going to open my lounge for a life group. This is the year I read through the Bible. This is the year I get that promotion. This is the year I buy a house. This is the year I respond to the call of God. This is the year. Maybe you've been thinking like that. Maybe you're one of those people who have even maybe had a New Year's resolution or two. Beginning of December, I shouted at us and I challenged us to be better off in January. Remember if you're around? Who's brave? Who is better off in January than they were in December? Nice. I'm just waiting to see the hands go up. <laughs> Whose budget went out the window and are now broke? They talk about January. Yes. How about next year? Are we going to be better off next January? Or are we just going to hope again? Maybe, hopefully this year will be better. <laughs> uh, Dave Ramsey says, adults devise a plan and stick to it till they succeed. Children do whatever feels good in the moment. Adults devise a plan and stick to it until they succeed. Children do whatever feels good in the moment. So not only is this a new year, but it's the beginning of a new decade. My goodness, I mean, if ever there's a time to draw a line in the sand, the beginning of a decade is time, surely. <laughs> this is it, a time to choose to follow God to new faithfulness and fruitfulness. Our theme over Christmas was God with us always. And we said the whole point of Christmas is not so that we can sing, Oh, come all you faithful, but so that Jesus could come to earth to rescue you and I, that he could be with us for God to be present with us, the point of Christmas is God doing everything necessary to be to uh, for us to be part of His family, to know Him as Father, to live in His presence and fellowship. This morning, we're going to ask Moses for some help as to where we depart. How do we respond to God well, even when it seems impossible? And you can turn with me to Exodus chapter three. 
So here we are at the beginning of the year. You've probably already got your to-do lists, your goals and your plans. Maybe you've even come up with a personal mission statement. Those things are quite popular at the moment. Uh, uh, a little thing that you're going to get done. Um, I joke about getting out of debt. A couple of guys last year got out of debt. Who knows this year? Maybe you've got a whole bunch of things, of goals that you want to get to. Maybe next year this is going to happen that you've longed for for a whole long time. But before we get there, I want us to pause. We're going to ask Moses to help us how we can strategize, how we can go on our way. And so Moses was uh, out in the desert. He had fleed from, fleed, he'd fleed from the Egyptians. And uh, there he was. He was uh, with his family, his extended family, and he was shepherding in the desert. And uh, let's read together. Uh, uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of his of Jethro, father-in-law, far side of the desert. Verse 2 says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So he thought, this is strange. He's a clever guy. I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses. And he said, here am I. You may remember, God says, take off your shoes. It's holy ground. And God begins to speak to him. I mean, my goodness, what an experience, right? Uh, He says he's heard the plights of his people. The Egyptians are oppressing the Israelites. And um, in verse 10, we read, Uh, So God says, I've heard their cry, verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell the Israelites, I am has sent you. Uh, imagine how he must have felt. I mean, first of all, he saw a burning bush, and it wasn't to fire. It didn't burn up. Then he heard. I mean, there's an angel and then God himself speaks from the burning bush. This was not your average Saturday morning uh, stroll. This is not a park run. This was something significant. And God says, not only is this miraculous appearance to get your attention, but on top of that, I am going to free your nation from slavery. And by the way, you're it. Talk about having to believe God at his word. Yeah? And so imagine how he must have felt. Talk about a big ask. Thanks, Dwayne. You can give us, give us that next slide. Colette was uh, reading her uh, reading plan over uh, the last couple of weeks, and she shared this with me. She said uh, this little passage. It says, Often when we're ready to start something new or get rid of a bad habit, we make a plan based on what we will do. Does that sound familiar at this time of have you made some plans? I love the Afrikaners say you. I mean, it sounds, whether you understand the word, it, it does, I mean, sure. I would also like to have some planner that are berammed. I mean, my goodness. 
Hey? You could be Portuguese, and that's still to Baram Plana. Now, maybe you have got some of those plants, not just English plants, those Afrikaans plants, those important ones. Maybe you've already set out on uh, something new or getting rid of a bad habit, and you've made a plan. This is what I'm going to do. Maybe you've got a swear jar, and a Turan has to go in there every time you say you shouldn't do something. You're going to do something. And they said, instead, we need to start with goals that are based on who God is and who we want to be. Saying, I'm going to run a marathon, for example, the comrades, is based on what you want to do. Saying, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and by God's strength, I want to become a runner, is based on who God is and who you desire to become. This is an identity-based goal. Instead of an action plan, start with a who. We need to put the who before we do. Sounds very much like Dr. Zeus. And uh, we need to find a catalyst outside ourselves. Because if I say, I'm going to brom some planner, and I'm going to make a list, and then I'm going to do the list, right? It's like when you make a budget. It's amazing. You get halfway. If you haven't, if you spent more than half your money, you're in trouble because you won't get to the end on, on budget, right? Yeah? And so when we make a list, then it's up to us to sustain the list. And I'm saying before you do, we've got to look at who. Why am I doing it? I'm doing it for me? I'm doing it for someone else? My wife can't put up with my socks on the floor anymore. So this year, those socks. Right? It's a plan. Rather, I should look outside of myself, not just in my own ability, but say, God, this is you. We put the who before the do. What is it that I want to respond to? Not just a tidier bedroom, not just a healthier appetite, not just a better work, whatever this... But actually, who is involved here, and who am I trying to follow, not what am I trying to get done? Make sense? And uh, so Moses had a clear call by God. Lead my people to the promised land. Thanks, Dwayne. You can give us that next slide. So this morning, I'm asking, who will go with me? Who will go with me? And uh, that's out of Exodus 33, verse 12, which we'll read in, in a minute. And I've got two points that I want us to think about as we prepare for this new year. The first is the see, I am doing a new thing. It's the season of new things, the season of expectation of, oh, well, I hope this year will be different to last year. I hope the next season will be better or different to the one that I've just been through. Isaiah chapter 49, please. Isaiah chapter 49. It's a beautiful uh, encouragement. Uh, they were, the, the nation of Israel were coming towards the end of the Babylonian captivity. They were taken into exile for 70 years. They were coming to the end of that time when God uh, gives them this uh, promise, this prophetic word. In Isaiah 43, verse uh, 19. Did I say 43? Isaiah 43, verse 19. The NIV reads like this. It says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And it goes, So they've been in, in captivity for 70 years. They've got used to living life a certain way. And all of a sudden, God comes along and he says, hold on, I'm doing a new thing. He sung two of our songs this morning, encouraging us to see God and see what he is wanting to do. Keep that thought in mind. The message uh, translation says, forget what about what has happened. Don't keep going over old history. 
I would suggest to you and I this morning that there's some of us that need to draw a line in the sand and say, I relinquish. You heard Ian Nichols' uh, testimony. I relinquish my perceived right to hold on to old history. Sometimes people talk about their, their, their wounds and their pains and they're real fair enough. But when you say, my goodness, it sounds so terrible. Did this happen yesterday? They say, no, it happened 20 years ago. We walk around as adults complaining that our grade one teacher didn't call us a nice name. Do you know when I was in grade, I've got to do the maths, when I was in, I don't even know if you know this, when I was in grade eight, uh, the reason I dropped history, which now I love, the reason I dropped history because we had a very horrible teacher who insisted on calling me by a girl's name because I had uh, as long hair as was permittable given a hiding or two in high school. I could be totally shattered by that lady for the rest of my life. And you think, man, did someone fluke you yesterday? No, no, no. In, I won't tell you when. High school, this happened. You think, really? Well, folk, chances are you and I need to draw some lines in the sand and say, old history is past. The past is the past. Whether it's last week, last year, decade, two decades, a lifetime ago. If we want to see the new thing God is doing, you can't take hold of the new without letting go of the old. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not trying to minimize your plight. But as you heard this morning, even those things that we are challenged to do, God might call us to. Verse 19, it says, be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. These Israelites had been living in, in Babylon for nearly 70 years. They'd been used to things being a certain way of living with God's promise, but not yet seeing it. They knew God had promised to bring them back from exile, but 70 years is a long time to wait. Maybe 70 years of lowering of expectations of God's faithfulness, despite what He had said. God says, <laughs> God says, I'm doing a new thing. You can give us the next slide, Dwayne. And so this is how God readies the Israelite people. He says, uh, this is what the Lord's saying. So he says, you say and they say. And it's important that you and I, if we are going to embark like Moses on a new journey, that we differentiate between who's talking. I always complain, how do the banks know to send you those loan application forms? How do they know you're out of money when they send you those, those offers? It was so interesting, beginning of January, on one day I got three calls. Hello, sir, how are you? Can I interest you in a loan? Why? Why? Because me, like normal people, spend too much in December. No, I had a plan. I'm an adult. This is what the Lord says. God says, don't listen to others. Don't listen to yourself. Who should we listen to? Who should we listen to? Listen to the Lord. This is what the Lord says. And, and friends, can I say this morning, man, even if you forget the rest, if you would just leave this place saying, man, I will continue to find out what the Lord says. The economy, so what? What is it that the Lord says? My boss, my circumstance, my preference, what does the Lord say? And God says, so this is how you, 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 you perceive, you see what God is about to do. You, uh, you listen to what the Lord says. Then he goes on to say, you need to forget. He says, forget the former things. 
For us to live in God's promises, there are some things we need to forget. I've spoken about that as well. We sang, I think it was maybe the first or the second song about God breaking chains, right? I'm looking for some musos to tell me that I didn't dream it. You know, when an elephant is small, they take a small chain and they tie it around his, his leg and they tie him to a stake with a small chain. They leave, and that elephant, as a baby, learns that the chain is stronger than he is. Yes? When that elephant grows up, man, that chain is like dental floss. It could snap it without even thinking. But it has learned over a lifetime that that chain is stronger than it is. It has an inbuilt memory that it can't get free of. Is it the chain that holds a grown-up elephant? My sister went to Thailand. She took a photo and she showed, she showed me. Yeah, send it to me. Is it the chain that keeps the elephant bound? No. It's the memory that keeps the elephant down, bound. And God says we need to forget. For us to move on, we need to forget. There are certain things you and I need to forget. The second thing he says, don't dwell. <laughs> don't dwell. You know, when someone dwells, they just won't let that thing go. Have you, had a, have you had a conversation with, that, with a person like that? That is, keep coming. You can say anything, it'll come back to that. Yes? Don't dwell. And sometimes... The reason we aren't forgetting is because we're constantly dwelling on the same topic. We won't let it go. We're like a dog with a bone. I thought this was interesting. You know, we talk about we nurse and rehearse because we don't want to let go. This is my pain. This is my precious. I, the pain becomes who we are. Remember that man, the, the paralytic? He'd been lying on his, on his um, mat for so many years. It had become his, not just his address, but his identity because he was dwelling there. You know, it's interesting that cows spend almost eight hours a day chewing the cud. You can write that down. You can read it in your devotions tomorrow. Do you good. Eight hours a day chewing the cud for a total of almost 30,000 chews daily. 30,000 chews. Now, do you, you know about cows and their cuds, right? So they spend all, the, all this time of the day eating. They swallow it. Goes into all those compartments, you clever people that did biology. Goes into those compartments in their belly. And then when they finish consuming enough, then what happens? They. Oh, I was waiting for that. Lindsay, so polite. They regurgitate, they vomit in their mouth. They vomit it back up, out of their stomach, up the esophagus, into their mouth, and then they chew it again. Sis! Sis! I mean, could you imagine your colleague at work doing that? That would be gross. You'd call HR and an ambulance. A cow chews her cud. She is regurgitating her food into her mouth, and then she re-chews and then re-swallows. Like, I'll just keep a little for later. You know, hamsters at least put it in their cheeks. Cows put it in their bellies, and they vomit it into their mouth. They eat it a bit more, then it goes back in and back up and back in. This artlich, sis. But how many of us don't do that with the things of our past? When God is saying, see, uh, I'd actually like to offer you a new delicacy. In my world, that's peanut butter and jelly on white bread. I'd like to give you a fresh white bread. I'd like to give you something nice, but two left in this old stuff. Yeah, I struggled here. I struggled there. I had this experience. I had that thing come against me. 
And God says, forget. Don't dwell. Don't dwell. It says, don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road in the desert, rivers in the badlands. He says, see. See, that word in Hebrew for see, it speaks of recognize. In other words, notice what God is doing. Un- like, spot it. Sometimes if you're married, man, you need your wife to help a little bit. If you're not married and you're a guy, then you need to surround yourself by sisters in the Lord. Because sometimes guys are doff, eh? we don't get it. Point us in the direction, we'll keep going. But sometimes our discernment skills are not so good. Yeah? Recognize what God is doing. Recognize the moment of opportunity. Recognize where we should sow our seed. Recognize where we should invest our heart. Another word for that word uh, see is to consider. Think it through. Think about it. Start thinking about some new stuff. And then the third one is the word declare. Same word. Start to speak about it. Our language must change. Our language must change. We're not to say it's impossible, but we're to say God says. Let the new thing become part of our vocabulary. You know when you get a new hobby, all of a sudden you learn new jargon, right? I love talking about woodwork. I can tell you all sorts of fancy terms. Don't ask me about other things. We get new jargon. If we see what God is doing, we develop a new language. We begin to talk about it as we go. I'd like to show you the next slide. Dwayne, if you don't mind, I don't know if you'll see this, but uh, have you ever Googled funny CVs on the internet? Here's one. You can see this guy submitted a five-pound note on his CV, and this is the response from Cadbury. It says, we regret to inform you that your application for the position uh, of manager has been unsuccessful. We don't normally respond to unsuccessful applicants, but in your case, we've made an exception. In order to return the five-pound note, you attached with the reference uh, section of your application under the line, Elizabeth, wink, wink. <laughs> Some notes regarding your application. Listing super-secret spy work I legally can't talk about as your previous experience won't fool anyone. Uh, in future, you might want to refrain from using sentences like, come on, let me be part of this awesome gig you've got going on. <laughs> eBay feedback isn't a relevant reference. <laughs> and so on. Another one, you can give us the next slide just for some fun. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> Application for employment. I refer to the recent death of the technical manager at your company and here apply for the replacement Uh, of the deceased manager. Each time I apply for a job, I get a reply that there's no vacancy, but in this case, I've caught you red-handed. And you have no excuse, because I even attended the funeral to be sure that he was truly dead and buried before applying. Attached to the letter, this letter, is a copy of my CV and his death certificate. And uh, two more, Uh, Dwayne, thanks. Under skills profile, this guy said, communication, I communicate, yes. Want to know how many ways I can communicate? All the ways. That's right. Need me to say stuff? I can do that. Want me to type some stuff? Done. Talk on the phone? Call me right now and guess what? I'll answer. And finally, under strengths, this guy wrote, quads, lats, and biceps. I said we've got to ask about the who before the do, right? Our last, last little adventure with Moses, and we'll be 
and we'll be done. Exodus chapter 33, verse 2, please. You can give us that next slide. Go back to Exodus chapter 33 and verse 12. (laughs) So remember the burning bush, God said, now follow me, go and go to Pharaoh and rescue my people. That's the context that Moses was having to bring his people about. We read later in Isaiah that God is saying that there's times he's going to do a new thing and we mustn't let our expectations of him drop. And so now in Exodus chapter 33, so many 30 chapters later, um, God says, uh, God reminds them of the promise and uh, Moses goes back to God in Exodus chapter 33 verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Isn't it amazing if you read this passage? So what does God answer? So Moses is saying, you've been asking me to do the impossible. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that to God? God, that boss, that boss at work, you are asking me to do the impossible. God, my income and my expenses, you are asking me to do the impossible. God, that neighbor that JP has, I have one too. You're asking me to do the impossible. God, my heart. You're asking me to do the impossible. And Moses says to God, you keep asking me to lead these people, but you haven't told me who's going with me. In other words, you're giving me an unfair expectation, but you haven't told me how to get it right. Who's going to come along and help? Make sense? Beginning of the year, beginning of the decade, you're feeling the same way? Before we get to the do, we look at the who. So it's so amazing that God's response to Moses of who will go with me, was not a CV, a resume of his abilities or promises of superpowers. You thought I was just having some fun. God doesn't send his resume, well, uh, created the world, uh, made light where there wasn't, uh, did some miracles along the way. Uh, yes, right. It's amazing how God doesn't try and show off to win his confidence. Yeah, If you went to the sea this holidays... You know, when you go swimming and you think there's, you're going to drown, you check out the lifeguards. Yeah? If those guys are all scorny and little stick arms and legs. Notice I said guys. I'd never talk about girls like that. The girl lifeguards you won't talk about. If the guy is very skinny, you're in trouble, right? You don't go too deep. And instead of God trying to impress Moses, into believing in him. God doesn't reassure him, reassuring him by pointing to creation, intellectual brilliance, or promises of great reward. Rather, he reminds Moses of his nature, of who he is. He doesn't have to rely on his what quads, lats, and biceps to impress him. He says, no, this is who I am. Trust me, because you know me. Give us the next slide. I'll be done in a minute or two. So the question is, who will go with me as we embark on a new year? Before you do your list, if you made some lists, just put a, put a pin there. Go home and say, God, before my list, will you go with me this year? In this season, will you go with me, Lord? Because I don't want to go. He goes on to say in Exodus chapter 33, if you don't go with me, how will people know you're with me? And if you don't, if you don't go with me, I will not go anywhere. He says, I'm here until you promise to go with me. And then God just does this amazing thing. He says, that's right, I'll go with you. I'll tell you. And so, so Moses says, so what? Show me your glory. And God says, well, let me tell you about who I am. He says, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate. Loving 
able to maintain love to a thousand generations. So who goes with us? Before the where we go, ask who will go with me. Before the what we do, ask who will go with me. Let me finish with this slide. You can give us that last one, Dwayne. So who is the one that goes with me? If we paraphrase our own conversations with God, would you say, God, you've been telling me to dot, dot, dot. You've been telling me to forgive. You've been telling, telling me to trust. You've been telling, telling me to try. What will I do? Most often what God asks of us is overwhelming. It's beyond our ability, our resources, our preparation. Most often it's risky and we're not sure of the outcome. God does it on purpose because it makes us trust Him. Have you had these conversations with God? And so instead of saying, this is me, I have these great abilities, God says, no, this is me. I'd like you to know who I am. And he shows them these three different ways. He says, I'm faithful. Abounding in faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands. I tell you, sometimes God's got to work hard to maintain love towards me. But he's faithful. <laughs> he's forgiving. It says he, he forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's all the kinds wrapped up into one. He will forgive. You know how cool that is? Because I know if he's forgiven me in the past, I have every guarantee that he'll forgive me in the future. Finally, he reveals himself as father. It says he punishes the children and their parents. In other words, there's a family. Uh, we spoke about it over Christmas. God is a father. He invests in family. You know, father gives us our DNA. Yeah? Makes me who I am. <laughs> in my household, it would be very funny if I turned out with red hair. No, no. I look like my family because it's shared DNA. I have quirks because I come from a family. I want to say to you this morning, you come from a family. If you're born again, you have been grafted in. You get new DNA. Isn't that cool? So you might say, oh, I've, I've got a bad temper. It's just who I am. It's how I was raised. My father had a bad temper. I'm this, this way. I want to say, no, if you're born again. We get new DNA. And I look like the father more and more as I respond to him, as Ian said. You know, a loving father disciplines us. He coaches us. He tells us to do what we can't do and then helps us to do it. But he also disciplines us. Hey, that you shouldn't have done that. Let's help you next time. A good father is in the development process. He wants us to become more of, uh, of who we should be. And finally, a good father always has a destiny, a destiny in mind. As we begin a new year and a new decade, before we plan a whole bunch of new goals, new plans, new dreams, before you give in to new fears, frustrations, and fatigue, my question to us this morning is, will you choose who will go with you? Before we make our plans, will you choose who will go with you? Will you take courage in his nature before his ability, his heart for you before his challenges and call? Moses says, don't send me if you won't go with me. Father, I pray this morning, that you'd help us just to pause before we get about the business of making lists and plans and we will recognize the one that goes with us in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that we would take such courage and consolation that you have made us in your image. If we're born again, then I have your DNA. And Father, going forward, we don't want to walk without you. We don't want to go if you don't go with us. Whatever the details you add to our lives in this next while, that's fine. But we want to make sure we go 
with you, Lord. Father, will you help us to forget the past? Would you help us not to dwell on those things we must let go? Will you help us to see, to notice, to perceive what you are doing and then walk with you into it in Jesus' name?